Hello, I'm Anna Bogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, the coven conspires to take down Fiona by driving her to suicide so the new Supreme can rise. It's us. Today's episode, titled The Secret Taken, was written by Ryan Murphy himself. So the writing is going to be exceptional. (laughs) Exceptionally (laughs) weird. (laughs) I'm excited. That is not a bad thing. And directed by frequent AHS director and collaborator Alfonso Gómez Rejón. So to kick off straight into the episode, we start with, not with a flashback, but with Queenie doing a murder errand for Marie Laveau and kind of confronting the Coven girls about her having defected to the other side. Yeah, this is a weird scene. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, with sort of like a a guy in an underpants and there's sort of like a, a gesture towards an attempted assault, but then she just picks up a board with a nail in it, as you do, and starts swinging. <laughs> I don't know, it's just like, it's all a bit... <laughs> this season has had such a, a a weird habit of starting off, like, incredibly intense. Like, we've had so many episodes now where the first scene is just way too much, all of a sudden. And in a way that I think even in Asylum or Murder House, it never really went that extreme. Well, Asylum, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I guess maybe in terms of like feeling like really off color and, and strange, you know, or, you know, problematic. Yeah. Well, the thing that I feel like the scene sort of hints at is the way that Queenie's power is so rooted in violence against herself in a way, which is always like it's always quite jarring to see, and it's always kind of been played for laughs. It kind of is almost played for for laughs here, but there is an element of it's just a, such a weird balance that it's walking. You know, she's putting herself in in a, a highly dodgy situation, putting herself at risk, but also then switches very quickly to making snarky comments. And she obviously is confident that she has the upper hand because she has this uh, this power, this magical ability. As we've rewatched the season, I wish they'd explored Queenie and the way that her power manifests and how it affects her moving around the world a bit better. Yeah, I think there is sort of an interesting thing that it's, the show is kind of like getting really close to exploring, but not quite doing it. And the idea that, Mm -hmm. you know, she is so sarcastic because it's a way of processing the trauma because she is sort of constantly, her power is to constantly traumatize herself in a way. And to have that, you know, inflicted on others. Like, there's so much in there to talk about and to discuss and explore. But, you know, Queenie, I think, you know, partially because there there are so many characters in this season. But also partially because, you know, they this, this show really does focus on the character, the white characters more. Mm. Like, let's be honest. Um, so she never really 
is offered the space to have this this like full interesting psychological arc take place it's just sort of like it feels like we are left to like make it interesting ourselves in a way i think the fact that we're talking about all this it's like well really this isn't in the show <laughs> this is us like taking little little like nuggets of information and trying to construct like a better show out of it yeah and I'm just thinking back to the previous episode, or maybe it was two episodes ago, when so when Queenie kind of, you know, quote unquote, defects to Mary Laveau's camp, and that beautiful scene between them. I'm just thinking that I wish there was something more between Mary Laveau, you know, titled the Voodoo Queen of New Orleans, and this young girl, this young woman who whose power is to quote is to be quote unquote a human voodoo doll. That's how she presents herself on the very first episode. I was like, there is a lot of stuff here that I would love for you to just sit down, chat about, explore, think about what it's what is it like for Queenie to have to literally like hurt herself? Like, does she feel the pain? What's it like to brutalize herself constantly in order to like have the power that she has and she doesn't get any respite that's the thing that it suddenly becomes like really clear as we're edging towards the end of the season like if you think about and I know we joked a lot about it in the last episode about the the murder vagina powers that Zoe has it's like yeah but then she gets an undead boyfriend there's some sort of comfort there that fits with her with the limitations of her ability but what is the comfort for Queenie? Yeah, it really feels like like all the the ingredients are there to tell a really interesting story, but they just never do it. Basically, Queenie's been sassy off. lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Ryan. Moving on from that scene, shall we get to the core of the episode, which is the the scheming of the of the coven witches against Fiona, who's in late stage kind of cancer treatment and is deteriorating really, really quickly. So the coven conspires to drive her to suicide through this um, ritual called the secret taking. Which, yeah, they kind of do one of those black and white <laughs> flashbacks to explain that it's been done three times before mm -hmm. um the only time they mention is during the salem witch trials when it was uh prudence prudence matha who um had consumption you know vague old-timey disease <laughs> so um decided to essentially sacrifice herself so that a new supreme could rise and the witches could flee Salem and go to New Orleans because she wouldn't have made the journey without, as Myrtle quotes, without a proper charcuterie plattery <laughs> or a bidet. Absolutely savage. <laughs> Fantastic quote from Myrtle, who is fully back. <laughs> fully back. I mean, let's talk a little bit about that that little interlude because I've watched it several times. I love this little kind of explainy visual wikipedia entries that we get in this <laughs> series because they're all kind of you know tapping into old-timey witch iconography and i'm all about that but there was one thing that i was a bit wait hold on why you know that there's a drawing that just randomly makes it in that little scene yes and i'm just uh explain please <laughs> Who's, yeah, who's <laughs> it's like a woodcut. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
and then we drew her yeah it's of her they kind of vaguely hint at how she died something with a well yeah she threw herself she down the well herself, yeah. drowned herself uh, something and somebody decided to memorialize it with a nice drawing i mean they had a wonderful i thought that shot was beautiful kind of from of her kind of floating in the water and the light coming from above her great yeah. wonderful kind of melancholic shot but also then random drawing so a bit mm, why <laughs> but it's ahs yeah. so don't ask too many questions <laughs> Yeah, I thought the the costumes for this bit were really interesting because it was the red cloaks, but also with the veils that sort of looked like, I don't know, like more like Spanish, like flamenco veils yes. with the little, I was like, that's, I wonder like what reference point they were using for that because it seems unusual and in a way that it makes me think that they were like drawing from something in particular. I mean, we've just had a, a fascinating pre-record conversation about costume design so i'd love to hear more of your thoughts on the costuming of this episode like i'll reduce it to one sentence i always be i really don't like bell's dress and the live action beauty and the beast and i have a lot of strong opinions about it i take your point it does have like very uh, even the colors it's like very bright red cloak and these like deep black veils it's got a really strong sort of carmen vibe to it yeah, which makes me think like they'd use some particular some image to. It doesn't seem like the kind of costume design they just randomly make up and be like, let's give them veils. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what it kind of visually reminded me of is of the Carlos Auda films. Like he's a Spanish filmmaker and he's done a lot of adaptations mm. of traditional stories or like opera. So he's adapted Carmen. He's filmed a lot of flamenco dancing and like a lot of his most striking films are, you know, this very, very intense red. And if this is not burgundy, this is just kind of vivid blood red and blacks and kind of very hyper designed, hyper stylized. I doubt that was a knowing reference but that's what it reminded me of just visually that's interesting though i think you'd like them those films yeah that ritual the sacred taking that they're plotting is kind of based around this communal agreement that the supreme is sacrificing herself for the for the greater good so that the next supreme can rise and lead the coven but this is a this is a scheming like they're all kind of collaborating together but to push Fiona to suicide without her knowing that she's participating in this ritual. Yeah, which I would say in general, not a cool thing to do. No, and it's kind of this moral quandary, I guess, of is it okay to try something, to have this immoral act against an immoral leader? Because Fiona's not really been a great leader feel like this is an old cool thing to do. Sorry, Cordelia. I know you've been the goody two-shoes this whole time, but, you know, gotta stop somewhere. I mean, I'm really into this um, bitchy Cordelia phase. <laughs> bitchy sliding into murder. Well, it's like, you know, there's it's a very, very fine line in the AHS universe between bitchy <laughs> yeah. and murderous. Those two things tend to go hand in hand. Yeah, like it's like the line is literally a silk thread. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. 
But I guess the most important part of this is that it leads up to one of the most iconic scenes in all of American Horror Story. Am I allowed to say that? Oh, yeah. Is that fair? We've been we've been thinking that every episode we were going to talk about was the iconic scene. And then it finally happened. <laughs> it finally, finally happened. here. And I got so excited when I was like, oh, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, say it. Surprise, bitch. I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me. <laughs> Which is Emma Roberts twirling in a, a silky red A-line dress that goes down to her feet. Um, and they put Vaseline all over the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. And Season of the Witch is playing. And she's going, hey, I resurrected myself because I'm the new Supreme hair flip <laughs> it's beautiful a timeless gif a timeless moment who needs to worry about like representation and morality when you can just slap some vaseline on the camera lens <laughs> pop on season of the witch and twirl around with iconic lines and this is why ryan murphy is ryan murphy <laughs> it's because he can deliver these scenes I mean, this is the thing. Her whole speech, I know that's the really famous line, but her whole sp speech is like so beautifully written in the oh, way, yes. in the sense that it's like so ridiculous <laughs> and but so perfectly pitched in its bitchiness. I like when she says, um, you'll be hash browns by this time tomorrow because yeah. she's talking about how they're going to burn her yeah. for her crimes. <laughs> you'll be hash browns by this time tomorrow. It's like, why? Why hash browns? I love it. <laughs> I also feel like this character, Madison, was really the the prelude to Scream Queens. At the time, I'm guessing the timing works out, right? Because Scream yeah. Queens was after the season. Yeah, it was. Where Scream Queens is just this scene yeah. for an entire season. <laughs> but with Jamie Lee Curtis. But with Jamie Lee Curtis is there. <laughs> and and Billy Lord, the iconic Billy Lord, who I love. Yes. And you know I love meta horror, and so does my good personal friend Ryan. So he put <laughs> Madison Montgomery and Jamie Lee Curtis, the greatest screen queen the screen has ever known, in a show together about a murder sorority. I mean, mm, it's so perfect. Just I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I no. can't even talk because I'm smiling that hard. <laughs> screen Queens is such a great show. I was so oh sad God. they cancelled it. Yeah, it's I mean, maybe as good as American Horror Story. Is that bold think, to say? No, I think like the first season is so wonderfully fun. I think the second one is like a little bit, yeah, but the the first one is just amazing. Ariana Grande when she's getting stabbed, <laughs> she goes over <laughs> to the laptop, <laughs> be like, "I am being," but like only Ryan Murphy would cast Ariana Grande in that role. <laughs> I love it. And I want to say that Scream Queens is also his first kind of collab with Billy Lord, who, you know, this is not a spoiler, will become part of the AHS kind of repertoire of actors. And is just like an ideal human being. Yes. <laughs> I just really want to be her. Is that weird to say? <laughs> no, I really want to be friends with her. Yeah, that too. And her, her beautiful dogs. Yes. And Gary. Gary. Although Gary Gary lives in Florida now. Aww. 
He's happy though. He okay, great. He sorry. I <laughs> my thing is I don't know any celebrity gossip, but I know everything about their dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the to the um suicide ritual. It doesn't yes. work. Well, it briefly works, and because Myrtle kind of appears, and they're all kind of making Fiona believe that she's seeing um a ghost. Ghost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there is one moment in this that I was like, that's not Fiona. When she doesn't want to die, not because, as she said before, she wouldn't like give anyone the satisfaction of, of committing suicide, but mm. because she's fallen in love with the Axeman and she says, I finally belong to someone. And I'm like, no, bitch, no. <laughs> This is not your way. Look, we we all gotta make exceptions for the axe man, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> Somebody cancel me for this, please. <laughs> I've crossed the line and I can't go back. I blame Jazz. <laughs> My love is Jazz. Because yeah, I like La La Lads too much. <laughs> it's become an issue. <laughs> anyway, that's not the Fiona good way. She would not say that. That's true. That is true. But what she what does feel extremely Fiona is that she makes herself up and she positions herself to die glamorously in a mink coat, stiletto heels, this beautiful headdress, and that kind of commitment to her vanity till the very end wonderful yeah i think this is the thing i i kind of like about how ryan murphy writes women is like we 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 could be pretty vain (laughs) and i think i think there's a way to explore like how um affected women have been by you know the obsession with superficial Mm. looks and things like that in a way that acknowledges how how much I think so, you know, how many of us have had that misogyny internalized in a way that, you know, like, I know that I'm like complete, you know, I can't like leave the house without putting makeup on and it's such like a a ridiculous idea. <laughs> but I, I think all of us kind of have these moments of struggling with, with that internalized misogyny um, and having to go oh yeah you know it doesn't actually matter and so to have it projected on these like over the top like ridiculous fabulous women um and sort of creating uh, a parody of that internalized misogyny where like this is a woman about to die and she's still like right i've got to get my mink coat and my turban and my coral lipstick (laughs) you know it's sort of it's relatable i think in a really twisted way (laughs) I think so. And I think there's also like, there's a lot of power in in makeup and in creating the image of yourself that is your true self, that that's the one that you're presenting to to the world. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's rooted in, in a patriarchal world. There's no escaping it. But there is also a way, I think, and that's the way that Fiona is vain, but she's also incredibly 
self-assured and confident about presenting herself in a certain way to the world that's the way that she is and the fact that she's physically that her body is failing her that she's dying is such an attack on her on her confidence on her sense of self that I think kind of this final or what she, what you know is presented it for a moment as her final act like no the way I will the last image of me will be the image that I let people see or like this is the way that people need to see me because this is the way that I am it's not this frail version of me yeah no that's totally true and I guess it's it's sort of celebrating the complexity of that because that's what's so interesting about like the history of makeup I mean it's great now because the sort of gendered aspect of, of it is starting to break down mm. um I mean, obviously, if you go further back in history, there was, you know, blah, 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 complicated. <laughs> complicated makeup good. Can be good. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's so interesting to me because it is both this very gendered thing, but it is also very liberating. These characters keep cropping up in American Horror Story, and I think in Ryan Murphy's work in general, like, yeah, this sort of embracing of the the nuance and the complexity of it, of of it both being empowering but so sometimes it is something that i think can be <clears throat> like a little bit corrupting just in mm -hmm. the sense of of how like when she, i found it so depressing when she's talking earlier about about the cancer and it's like i don't care about dying you know what i care about the fact is that i'm becoming ugly yeah. it's like well that's kind of a depressing thing to say and so i think to have sort of both both aspects of it that you know, to be able to present this image of herself in her final moments, I mean, in final moments and air quotes, mm -hmm. um, is, yeah, it's like what you said, it, it's, it's really empowering for her because she is in control of her own image, but also you have this aspect of like, what, what is driving it? It's, it's so interesting because like the idea of image for women especially can mm -hmm. both be driven by like a self-empowering like self-control thing but also driven by like societal standards <laughs> and yeah. expectations and those two things can just like sit inside of somebody at the same time yeah and i think this is um you know the show dedicates a lot of time to fiona's character and that's why she's so interesting and it's that that it is a moment of weakness when she says that she doesn't care about dying. She just cares about getting ugly. And it's her definition of beauty is extremely superficial. But also it's it's guided by exactly as you say, kind of the the world that she lives in and a world where she has a lot of elements of power plus actual magical power. And the way that I always kind of read Fiona is through her ebbs and flows are always in relationship to power and that power manifests in different ways and like we've spoken about before her looks and her appearance and her uh, seductiveness and allure are just some of the some of the tools that she has and once these start disappearing she's still really powerful but she's weakened in some sense because some of the tools in her arsenal are being diminished or disappearing and it's it's the struggle of someone who has been powerful for a very long time who is losing the power and cannot do anything to regain it. 
She still looks hot the whole time, though. <laughs> yeah, she looks great. I mean, Jessica Lange, come on. She could be like, I don't know, just dripping in, in actual garbage. I'd still be like, hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we spent a lot of time on Fiona, but there's a few other things going on. Um, there's There's a little bit of a messy dynamic between Kyle, Zoe, and Madison. Get, it gets messy. It's only been one episode, but already Kyle and Mad- Kyle and Zoe are in love, and Madison is hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean one episode. <laughs> oh, is wait is this? Sorry, is this the one where she gives him the laptop with? The, yeah, I found that so weak because, like, I I get that it's trying to like develop his sense of of literacy and speech but i feel like those tools exist in a format that's not beep boop beep boop like <laughs> the what what i don't know what program they she was showing him but it was like and it's like i feel like um those tools exist in a more suitable format for him i really hope that's your um insensitive historical reference for the week later on <laughs> <laughs> there are like things that are those tools for adults <laughs> i don't know what the beep boopity boop thing was it just felt insulting to him and also i mean this is this is a big episode about troublesome mother offspring relationships and we also see that Luke's mom, so Luke is the, the hot neighbor. So his mom, Patty Lupone, not the actual Patty Lupone. Uh, <laughs> I love it. It was. No, no. Patty Lupone as herself. <laughs> no, Patty Lupone is a treasure. She would never do the thing that this character no. does, which no. is, again, a lot of abusive mothers in the show. And uh, interestingly, abusive towards their hot sons. I should not qualify that as their hot sons. Interestingly, abusive <laughs> like towards their sons. Hot in this. <laughs> <laughs> what? What she gave him? She she forces forced him... him to give himself an enema and like watches. No, but what was in it? This was what I was confused. By. Oh, so it's like it's it's soapy water. I thought she was putting like Clorox in there. I was like, that's bad. That's gonna kill him. Yeah, no, that's gonna kill him. Okay, that makes more sense. Oh. I mean, that's still, I think if you put soap up your butt, that's probably not good for your body, right? I mean, it's it's an enema. That's what it does. It it cleans out your. Yeah, but it's not soap, right? It's usually, sorry. Oh God, I we're don't. going to the place again. <laughs> I thought an enema was like either just water, but also maybe. Chem- like medical thing no chemicals. it's i've just i've just googled it it is it's either saline solution or soap suds but it's like it's 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 a safe procedure what 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 <laughs> what's happening you it's, i i didn't realize you actually put soap up your butt sorry <laughs> <laughs> i thought uh, i thought it was like I I thought it was water plus like a specific like medical safe chemical that a doctor would give you, not just like no, it's like it's... put some dental up there. <laughs> you put dental up your ass, Clary. <laughs> <laughs> but soap suds, you're just putting soap like a Dove bar. You just shove it up there. <laughs> 
Um, please, anyone who's had an enema, can you please? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Be just like normal, just household soap. That can't be right. I mean, I'm looking. I'm I'm gonna Google this because it's as like we a record. pretty like from my understanding, it's a pretty like you know sh- like like you have to do it seriously to do it right and not hurt yourself. So while there, I'm reading this out. While there are okay. many types of enemas, a soap sud enema remains one of the most common types, especially for constipation. It's a combination of distilled water and a small amount of soap, not a whole Dove bar. <laughs> okay, but she like poured it in there. This is why I was yeah. like, this doesn't look the at soap, all safe. The soap mildly irritates your bowels, which helps to stimulate a bowel movement. I didn't know that. Wow. Wow. Fun facts on the next Supremes. Yeah. I just, I thought you had to, like, go to the doctor to do it. I mean, what she does is all wrapped up in guilt and, you know, having to clean him out from the inside out because he's been chatting to a girl he likes. I mean, it's just gross on so many levels. It's like the more severe version of, like, wash your mouth out with soap. Yeah. Wash your butt out with soap. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, I need to... <laughs> I'm sorry, Oedipus are serious. I shouldn't make fun of them. They're a useful tool. It's just the image of her like chucking the soap in. I was like, this does not look right. I mean, that would have that would probably be extremely painful. Exactly. She, she might chug, have as chug, well chug. like shoved the dove bar up his butt. Exactly. Like that's why I was like, this is not this is gonna kill him. This is a lot of It's also like powdered soap. It's also clearly like it's not just oh, I need you need to give yourself a, a totally unnecessary enema. It's the watching and the fact that it's very physically, like, it's intrusive. She's, you know, penetrating his body even though she's not actually doing anything. And she's forcing him to do this. It's really abusive and it's really violent to watch and hear. Like, we don't see anything, but just kind of a, his resignation to it as well. The fact that it's it's very much clear that this is not the first time that that's happened and then that's kind of a a punishment that she goes towards says a lot about their relationship and i just find it quite um considering we don't usually see these types of uh that's not the image of abusive parents that we usually get seeing someone like patty lapone's character and mayor winningham's character and her relationship with kyle uh is intriguing yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I think we as a society, like, we're not that good at, at recognizing, like, how, you know, like, there's so many different types of, of abuse. And it's not, it's not just the things that we're used to and seeing in film and TV, you know, like the, the five different versions of abuse. Like, it comes in so many different ha- forms. And really, the way to recognize it is the, like, the power dynamic (laughs) and you can see that within that relationship you know how horrifically messed up it is that Mm. this mother is is um you know just gives her son this this procedure that's about to really hurt him because it's not being done properly um and he just yeah and the way he's just so resigned and goes yeah i'm just i'll just do this Mm. um because he knows that like 
being harmed is like part of his relationship with his mother like that's yeah that's really sad and and it i think it's really kind of good to see see it in in different forms just so that people kind of understand you know obviously like this is kind of a, a you know over the top version of it but i think you still are able to see that mismatch in power hmm. i think there's only one more thing that we should talk about before we move over before we move on to our categories and it's the finale of the episode where there's a shootout at luke's house after nan comes to rescue him because she hears his um she kind of mentally hears his anguish and both him and patty lupone are shot by um un well by snipers really yeah and it's like a lot happens <laughs> a lot happens in like two minutes i just feel really bad for nan yeah like, just give her one thing jesus christ everyone's constantly mean to her because everyone keeps laughing at her because you know she does bring up the idea that she might be the next supreme which you know she's as qualified to be it as anyone in that house yeah um and yeah and then she finds this really like cute nice boy that likes her and then he gets shot by a sniper <laughs> the hell slip cursed 2021 energy right there (laughs) awesome cursed 2013 energy yeah (laughs) oh yeah i wanted them to be together because he really liked her i know and nan's like one of the only just like nice characters on this show yeah like she's generally nice to everyone yeah oh just like a a a non- completely fucked up person (laughs) is there anything from this episode that we haven't covered before we move on yeah i mean we kind of didn't mention what marie laveau is doing but she's just bleeding (laughs) lalori yeah that's it pretty much making potions doing good um lalori's wearing like a tracksuit just singing in her cage (laughs) being racist (laughs) shall we move on to our categories now yes what was your top quote of the episode surprise bitch i bet you (laughs) don't you see the last of me (laughs) obviously is that also yours or do do you have a different one i mean i kind of knew that was gonna be yours so (laughs) i didn't pick that one um i'm gonna go with the myrtle snow one you mentioned it before where she was like can you imagine those poor salem witches traveling all the way down covered in wagons without a proper charcuterie platter or a bidet savage fucking love that (laughs) i love her genuine outrage over the lack of a charcuterie board that's the kind of snob i can get behind yes love her (laughs) (laughs) and what about besson uh probably season of the i think that's the only song yeah. season of the witch <laughs> yeah, yeah favorite an iconic moment a great choice of song and surprise it's not been featured before i know like it is the witch song <laughs> yeah and what about the best fit uh oh this is maybe revealing my trash taste but <laughs> <laughs> i liked the when madison's wearing like the jill sander veiled beanie <laughs> yes it's kind of trash but i love it 
I'm actually a bit more basic this episode because I I'm just gonna say the secret taking ritual. It was cute. Like they were they were, they were reminded me a lot of kind of a Spanish outfit, so I like them because of that. So I, I always yeah. wanted a cape. I really want a cape. Get a cape. I really want a cape. <laughs> so I think it's Get just that. It's just I Go want a cape. It. I want like a cape. <laughs> Maybe not a red one, but like a cape. There's such a power outfit. I want it. Because mm. I, what I love about capes is it's like the Blair Waldorf thing. It's like mm, I don't wear my I don't wear my bags on my shoulder like a loser. I carry them in my hand because I'm powerful and I don't walk very far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I just want to like be able to like keep my hands warm. Yes. That that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the best witch pun? Did you pick up on any this episode? I'm starting to look. Uh, this is Fiona's line. I'm starting to look less like Samantha and more. Oh, sorry. I'm starting to look less Samantha and more Endora every yeah. day. <laughs> Which is a reference to my favorite TV show of all time, Bewitched. Yeah. And Samantha was the main character and Endora was like the kooky mother figure who just popped up. But Endora looked fabulous. So it was such a weird reference. Not quite a pun, but a great witch reference. I mean, this category has really shifted because we've struggled. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not a pun, but it's close enough. It works. And who was the MVP of the episode for you? Um, okay. <laughs> it's Myrtle specifically because when um, Fiona has taken all the pills and she's lying down to be mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. She walks over to her jewelry box, picks it up and just sh <laughs> like drops it in her handbag and walks off, which is the most incredible power move. <laughs> yeah. I love that moment so much. <laughs> funniest thing is that i was watching it i immediately thought of you it's like oh clarice is gonna love that move <laughs> it's just like the bagels but with jewelry it's just like the bagels i don't know why it's so like i want that power of just like you know like i'm leaving this party and i'm taking a snack tray with me goodbye <laughs> i want to be that person be that person yeah, when well, next party I go to, I'm just going to pick up a whole snack tray. <laughs> just like, take it with me into the bathroom to cry. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I'm going to say Fiona because they literally try to murder her and they cannot because, to be fair, Spaulding is so devoted to her that he saves her. But I know I usually make like a whole morality case for our MVPs, but this time it's just one moment. So when she comes back into the room where the rest of the coven are like, oh, Misty, are you the Supreme yet? And she interrupts her conversation and she gets a cigarette out from a little cigarette holder <laughs> that is shaped like a baby's head and it spits out the cigarettes from its mouth. That is amazing. And that is is a motherfucking power move and that was a close-up shot of that little baby head cigarette holder <laughs> injector thingy and i wanted in my house and i don't even smoke and i love that moment and i was like this is why <laughs> ryan murphy gets the big bucks <laughs> that's you at the party but instead of cigarettes it's pez <laughs> <laughs> yes 
It's like one of those little Japanese snacky things that's kind of covered in chocolate. One of those. Oh, yeah. The Pocky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and did you pick up on any insensitive historical references this week? Well, well, I had a little Google because I wanted to see where they got the name Prudence Mather, Mather, Prudence Mather, Mather, whatever, <laughs> where that might have come from. And she does actually share the surname with a cotton Mather, Mather, who um, was a Puritan minister who was one of the the sort of central figures of the Salem witch trials. Um, I mean, he was really one of the men who who pushed for prosecutions and in some way was responsible for what happened. So I don't know if that's intentional. Probably, to some degree. Mm -hmm. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) It's an excellent succinct reference. I think that's all for this episode. So what can we expect Mm. from the next one? In the next episode, Cordelia's attacker is revealed and there is a bloody massacre at Cornrow City. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Coven. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. Follow us at Next Supremes Pod. Also, you can find me at Clarice Lou. And I am at Anna B. Demented. That cigarette holder that spits out a ciggy out of a baby's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> All really cups. <laughs> I love it. Just wanted to make sure I did not forget that iconic moment. <laughs> <laughs>